Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 391. My name is Brando. Welcome, Mr. Tim Ripper Owens. How are you, sir? I'm good, bud. How are you? What do I refer to you as? Like, I know we're not friends yet, but do I call you Tim, Ripper, uh, Riptide, Timothy, Mr. Owens? What do you prefer? You can call me anything you like. <laughs> Tim, Ripper, you know, that's usually the two go-tos, I guess, but it doesn't matter. That's cool. Well, I, I ask because I'm Brando, but in real life I'm Brandon, and that's how I introduce myself. So, I, But I'm not as cool. Like, do you go up to people like, hey, uh, I'm Ripper. Like, Is that the first Only if I, Only if I need something. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Very Someone cool. just said that last night. I was, uh, I was. Uh, my old high school guys started a, started bowling the bowling league, and I haven't seen them since high school in 1985. And I said, "Hey, you want to bowl?" This was last year. I said, "Yeah, I'll come sub." I mean, I tour a lot, so <clears throat> I was there last night. It's it's sponsored by a radio station, and I went up to order some food for the team. And they said it'd be about 25 minutes. And I went and sat down, and the guy said, 25 minutes? He goes, did you tell him who you were? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, then it might be 45 minutes. So yeah. let's not do that. <laughs> well, so I asked this because um, my wife, sometimes she calls me Brando. And I'm like, that's not, don't do that. So I'm curious if your friends and family would call you Tim or Ripper. It's a silly thing that I, th- I, I think about. Uh, and also, I was on my head because I was listening to uh, Return to Death Row, just my segue to everything. And just yes. their first track, she's on the couch getting ready for work. I guess hit die while we're uh, alive. And she's like, all right, whoa, all right, I'm, I'm ready to go to work now. I'm awake. <laughs> yeah, that that's the opening track that it it it'll get you ready for work. It's It's either listen to die while we're alive or have your coffee, one of the two. I know, right? Uh, before we get into the music part of it, uh, I love the cover, and I'm wondering if it comes from this because I'm an old school horror guy. It looks like an old school horror kind of poster, like the Intruder or a Prowler, you sitting on the electric chair. Just so, what was the inspiration, I guess, behind? Because it's great classic cover art, and you don't see that too often now. Well, yeah, it's, it's by Dan Dan Goldsworthy, and um, you know, it's funny because everybody says it, it it's the sh- it's you know the same as the Shocker cover to the movie and um mm, that's right it, it really is but it what didn't start like that you know what happened was it started with a drawing me and you know it's return of death row so i'm in an electric chair and you got a noose on the ground and guys with rifles and a uh, doctor with a needle and um but as it as it got the color put in there and everything then it was like hey you know that that's when we kind of realized this is like the shocker cover there's not much you can do with putting somebody. This is what's funny. And I don't think people actually realize this. It's it's you know obviously made that because it's called Return of Death Row, and once you put an orange jumpsuit on anybody, it's going to look like the Shocker cover, right? I mean, it, sure. it's just. I mean, if you if you Googled guy in an electric chair, almost three quarters of the pictures were guys in orange jumpsuits in an electric chair. Um, but you know, I, I 
it, it's great because it started with a drawing and you saw it develop and come together. And, and then, you know, he needed a picture of my face so he could draw that right. And, um, but it does have that. It has an old school, uh, feel to it. And, um, you know, that's, that's what we were going for. What do you like as a, as an artist, what comes first? Cause obviously you're musician singer. So I'm assuming the song, but do you also have a visual in your head too? Cause it's, you know, it, it, when you, it's the last track, I believe on the album is the title track. So do you have a visual also in there? Is that how maybe that gets expressed through the cover art? Uh, I, I didn't, uh, with this, um, and I'm glad probably I didn't cause it wouldn't have turned out as good. Um, you know, I think the main thing obviously was Jamie, Josta and, and, uh, dan goldsworthy getting together and and you know this is this is dan's doing really i mean it's just uh came out of his crazy head okay well let's talk about your crazy head right now with the, uh, this music and this thing it came out in december i know you work with jamie josta so where do you start when you're going to put together uh, where did you start i guess in particular with this album do you have lyrics in mind do you have a message you want to get across uh how does it work for you ripper well, the, this record was done a little different. You know, J, it was Jamie's brainchild. For 10 years, he's been trying to get me to do this. Uh, and so we finally did last year. And he said, man, it's 25-year anniversary of, of Jugulator. We really need to, to, to work on this. And we need to get this he a heavy record out. And this was a lot of him. You know, yet, uh, you know, the lyric ideas were his. I mean, I, I went in there and put my ideas in there as well. Um, but, you know, the... the you know, uh, Nikki Belmore and Charlie and and uh, and Jamie really was the brainchild of getting these things over to me. And then I would work on it from there. Like Die, Die While We're Alive was the first song they sent the ideas for. And um, I was blown away by it. You know, I thought it was perfect. And uh, and Jamie, you know, we've been friends for a long time. So he knew he knew how to write for me and what to write for me and, and knew what what I, it's almost like you knew what I would do as well. Like, here's what Tim's going to do to the song. He's going to do this to it and this to it. And as we went on more and more, the funny thing is we did die while we're alive, return to death row and the night, take it back, which originally was just called take back the night. They were all fast songs. And I was like, I messaged Jamie back and said, dude, are we going to have like anything <laughs> mid tempo on this thing? This is like blowing people's face off. Yeah, um, yeah. I think, I think Silent Cage was next, which is the most, you know, commercial kind of song. But, you know, he just sent the ideas and and the songs and I would lay down vocals and, you know, put my stamp to it and change things and add some lyrics, take some lyrics out. And But what, you know, the, the great thing about Jamie's, he's such a, first of all, he loves music, loves what he does. Nicest guy in the world, total professional. And what he writes about is kind of what I write about. When you write about songs like Embattled, which was the first video, and everybody's embattled. Um, everybody's fighting something. Everybody's doing something like that. And you, you, you watch that video and you see anywhere from, from protests to bums to children to dogs, because this is everybody that's embattled. You know? So mm -hmm. I like to write about everyday stuff a lot. I mean, I'll throw in a scream machine or or... I'll write about monsters or, or vampires if I have to. But most of my songwriting is about life. You know, maybe it's about a uh, a relationship or maybe it's about uh, uh, what's going on in the world or, or you know, something that's personal. Um, and that's kind of, you know, when you hear songs like Silent Cage, you know, Locked in a Silent Cage, I mean, uh, 
Um, but then you do songs like Return of Death Row, which actually Return of Death Row even has a little message because, you know, it's basically saying in the song in a way, isn't it funny that you're um, in in there for killing somebody and then they're going to kill you for killing somebody. So it's kind of funny that, uh, I mean, listen, which if somebody uh, murdered anybody in my family, uh, if I didn't kill them first, I'd be a I would love to see them die. So <laughs> I, I'm with you there, you know. But, uh, but you know, songwriting. You know, that's a great thing about heavy metal and hard rock, and and writing songs in general. You can write them about anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I don't like you after this interview, you'd probably be in the next song. So that's the way. <laughs> that's the way you get to do things. You know, old band relationships. Uh, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so it's kind of nice. But what's great about heavy metal that, yeah, you get to express yourself um, in other genres, but particularly with what you do, it's that scream, and I'm not going to pretend to do it. We all we all try to sing in the shower like Ripper Owens with that, ah, you know, that, yeah, uh, and, and getting that forcefulness out. I guess I want to know, as somebody who has no musical talent myself, how did you, like, when did you, you discover that you can do that? that you can hit those high notes? Was it like, were you singing along? And I'm talking like with Little Ripper, Little Riptide. Like when, yeah. when did you discover that like, wow, not only can I carry a tune, but I can blow a, I can blow a tune the fuck out of here. Yeah, it was pretty early on with with uh, knowing I could sing, you know, by singing Elvis or Bach Returner Overdrive or Aerosmith. And, uh, but, I, you know, probably I got to be honest with a, a high note, it would have had to have been Judas Priest, you know. I heard Screaming for Vengeance and, and that record, and I probably realized where I could I could do it. I could hit high notes. And what was great about that is, what's great about a voice like me is one minute you can be like, you can be going, you know, it's kind of like you get to do everything. Yeah. And it's that's what's great about expressing yourself is 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 you have all you know. I grew up loving singers who sang in characters: David Bowie, Rob Halford. Ronnie James Dio, uh, John Oliva. Um, you know, I loved singers like that who told stories, but they could change the, the way their voice did it, you know? So, at, and the more I went on, the more I realized I could do even even more of it. Cause then all of a sudden I realized, man, I, I got a little sepulchre in my voice or I got a little, you know, Pantera in my voice. And But I grew up listening to all of that. Anthrax, Testament, Death Angel, you know, and then also, you know, obviously, you know, Maiden and Priest and Dio. And so uh, my range was pretty even, you know, Sex Pistols, uh, uh, you know, just such mm. a. And then as a kid, it was always Elvis, Dion, the Belmonts. Mm. I didn't like Beatles as a kid. Now I'm older. I absolutely love the Beatles. Okay. So it's kind of. But, you know, now that I got older, the big one on me is and you'll hear it. And not on this record, but other records, David Bowie. I loved how he had these lows and he just told this story. And so, but it's, it's funny that, you know, I'm able to still scream. Like I, I've been screaming. I lost it for about five years. I wasn't singing. Luckily I w was touring still, but, uh, last year I got it back full on again. And I, this whole year when I was touring last couple, last year or so, my high notes has just been phenomenal. I mean, it's been like a kid again. So it's, uh, that's great. And it's hard 55 years old, you know, uh, when when you you have a wide range like this, I guess maybe a good advantage of having such a wide range is I always have some go to. Mm. I don't 
have one voice that I sing with, right? So at least I'll have the power voice or the low voice or the high voice. I could I can afford to maybe have one of them off a little bit. So maybe that's the advantage of having that wide range. That makes me think of like a pitcher in baseball that you're not just throwing fastballs. You just have the curveball, you have the breaking ball, you have air, all this whole arsenal that you can go to. Uh, and before I want to ask you another question about the voice, but you mentioned one of your inspirations being Dion and the Belmonts. Please, yeah. please do a metal version of Run Around Sue. Well, well, I would, you know, I can't remember the other song I used to sing a lot. When I, my dad, I, hey, you know, when you're in the seventies, you find your parents' singles, yeah. right? They all singles. So I mean, that's how I found Elvis and Dion the Belmonts. And, you know, my mom's name was Sherry. So she would tell me, on oh, my 16th birthday, the song Sherry comes Sherry. She's like, I got a hundred of them. I, I just, I love 50s, 60s music. I've just, in mm. 70s. My favorite era of music is probably 50s, 60s, 70s. I just, mm. just absolutely love it, you know. But yeah, I'll do a, I'll do a cover version of uh, some Dion. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, how do you take care of your voice then? You said you lost it, but do you have a routine that, that you do? I really don't. You know, some people do, some people don't. I, You know, I'm not a drinker. I go to the gym every day. I drink tons of water. Um, and when I'm on the road, I don't talk. Uh, you know, I don't go out to places. I just go to the hotel and to the venue. I think with me, I don't warm up really. My warm up is I'll, I'll do it. It's really funny if I if I do it at all. But I it's almost, I just go what? I just make this. I do it about three times. What? What? And it's it, it's I don't think it's called a warm up. Hmm. It's more to go. Is my voice there? You know what? How smooth was that raspy climb? I remember doing it, and people would always make I. I, don't, I, I didn't warm up because people make fun of you when you warm up. It's the funniest thing in the world. You're going, you know what I'll do every now I'll do, you know, or, but I don't do scales. Jeff Tate is a singer that warms up and warms down, you know, mm. uh, and that some singers need it. Me, I felt like when I warmed up a lot, it wore me out. Okay. It actually, it actually tired my voice a little bit. David Draymond said a funny thing it was pretty known but he asked ron he loves to tell this story david's a, a great guy and he's a great singer and he said uh, to ronnie dio hey ronnie what do you do to warm up and ronnie was like well if you need to warm up you don't have it <laughs> like, was like, man. Oh. Uh, and ronnie ronnie was the had a, a, a voice of steel i mean he would have drinks but if you went to his show he would have drinks and have a, a pint of Bonningtons and you would talk and you would, he would walk to the stage. Come on, follow me to the stage. This is on heaven to hell tours. And you know, we talk all the way up and then afterwards he's talking to everybody. And if I opened for him on a to couple tours and I'm like, where the hell's my band at? I'm in the bus and my band's all in his room. And, and I'm like the opposite. You know, I didn't talk. If, if I'm in my dressing room like this and, uh, um, some singers can do that. Some singers, I just, I try not to do anything that I can blame it on, right? <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to do things because then if I have a bad night, everybody's going to say, "See, you went out last night," or "See, you were doing this." Now, if I have a, a crappy night and I didn't do anything, at least I could just say, "Hey, I didn't do anything." Mm -hmm. Terrible. So, uh, but I, you know, I, I'm that singer that, you know, I just try to to drink water and and uh, and not talk. 
It's it's interesting. Uh, I hear that a lot. Well, I appreciate you talking to me right now because uh, you're you have tour. You have like some festival dates coming up, but nothing immediate, right? So that's where you're able to rest. Yeah, I'm in the studio. I got some songs to work on today. I'm probably going to skip it today. Uh, read the songs called Falling Sky um, for for a friend, and um, I have some Mexico stuff coming up, and uh, I think some South America stuff in April. But but I'm, I pretty much sing every day in my studio. Oh, okay. So it's in, because if you don't, to use the cliche, like if you don't use it, you lose it. Is it would that happen? If well, you it's funny you say that because when I was struggling, I still sang every day in the studio. You know, when COVID hit, in a perfect world, I would have just ta- I would have shut down, not spoke, not sang, and just rested the voice because I never rested hmm. um, totally. And so many singers say, you got to rest it for a month. Try not talking or, or doing anything for a month. And uh, But when COVID hit, on the other hand, I had to do something to make a living. You know, I got to pay bills. So that's when I went, you know, every now and then I post on social media, you know, uh, or when people get a hold of me at rippervocals at gmail.com. That's my plug, rippervocals at gmail.com. And they'll ask if I'll sing a song. And I started singing them. Man, I would sing them every day, you know, and... Uh, I don't know if it was I should have rested it or not, but um, I I kind of you kind of agree because you need to use it. But if your voice is struggling, you need to, sh- to shut it down. But and I still probably should. I should probably go a week without doing anything, you know. But mm. um, it's pretty hard. You seem very uh, learned now because uh, you mentioned you know fifty five. I'm going to be forty this year, and I feel old. Uh, but I'm I'm curious to flashback a little bit because of course you you mentioned briefly Jewish priest you know that's uh, one of your your biggest things in your your resume is that something maybe you learned uh, from those guys you know maybe how to take care of yourself or when you were there was it just like wow I'm a Jewish priest I'm gonna go out drinking like did you learn what not to do from uh, like an established brand early on? Well, I kind of used common sense on that myself, you okay. know. Um, uh, you know, it's funny because they were younger than I am now when I joined Judas Priest. So that's even the funniest part. They were in their 40s and stuff. So it's kind of like, and I, you know, I thought, man, they're kind of older than me. And now I'm thinking, geez, I'm 55. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm healthier than ever. You know, I've always went to the gym while I was in Judas Priest and up to now. So I go to the gym every morning. And, uh, you know, health-wise now, you know, I'm, I'm pretty healthy and lowest weight I've been at in, I mean, you lost 20 pounds, right, recently? I saw that report. 50, sorry, 50. That's a bigger, much bigger deal. What inspired yeah. that, I guess? I was something I wanted to ask. What, what? you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a young, I, I, whatever I do, I've been the same weight since like sixth grade. You know, if I eat, I, I, I just, what inspired you? I was 230, and um, I have that, that gene that I have to, you know, I look at food and I gain weight. So mm-hmm. uh, um, I've always had to struggle with it, and... Um, you know, last June, I just, uh, at the time, uh, I lost weight for somebody else, thinking it was a good idea. That was the start of it, and myself, but I was for somebody else. And I thought, man, you know, this is this probably needs to be done. And and uh, as time went on, um, it really, uh, it just kept going. I mean, I've been slowly doing it for a long Everybody notices more now, and they're like, hey, man, you look, that's, that's I don't know, that you're, you're weighing 163 pounds, that's crazy for you and it's like it's been a long process you know i started in june and and um you know it's uh something that uh i thought was a good idea 
Well, congratulations. You look great. I know I'm looking at you on Zoom, but yeah, it's it's interesting because you think, what also made me think, did you ever think it would affect like maybe your voice? Like you needed all that weight to, to be the power behind it. Well, no, I mean, you know, is it, you know, was it, you know, I was, I, I'm six foot and I was, you know, I'd be between 210, I what would average between 200 and 210, which isn't absolutely horrible for a six foot person, especially someone who struggled with weight. So, um, looking back it's it's a big difference but i i didn't think that i i would thought of anything it would help it, it definitely hasn't helped um uh but hopefully it'll be we'll find out i mean my last tour i sang fantastic on and i was probably at upper i was probably oh i was uh, at probably 275 273 on the last tour so um i mean 170 173 175 so um you know, I, I think it'll be okay. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I'm sure as you can tell, uh, you are an appetite for distortion, Guns N' Roses themed. And I always try to find what I call six degrees of GNR Bacon, the connection. I'm not sure what yours is. Uh, I don't know if you've ever met any of the guys from Guns N' Roses. If you've, um, like, do you have any stories that you see? Uh, in them in concert any time in your in your life because I know you're pretty busy you know a lot of people so I'm not sure if you ever never saw them in concert uh, met a couple of them um, uh, I met Slash the one time I met him a few seen him a few times the first time I met him was at a convention I think it was in Germany I was doing something and they're one of their bodyguard guys outside was like hey man ripper what's going on and i think um i was gonna go see uh um carrie king he was back in this room and i said carrie's back here come see carrie and oh i got two times i know the first time i met slash this i was in new zealand playing a, with a band called the hail and at that time it was a line of like scott travis and and uh you know, I'm not for sure who the lineup was at that time. Tony Franklin on bass. And anyways, Slash was playing the same event. So we, we met then. And he was really nice. He's like, hey, Ripper, good to meet you. And it was cool. And then uh, met him again back when we went back to see Kerry King. And um, he was really nice and cool. And you never know because, you know, these are big artists. Even though I've got a name for myself now, you still meet these people. And uh, you never know if they're going to be cool or not or even give a shit that they're meeting you, really. But uh, And Kerry King was the same way. He's about as nice as could be he's he treats me like he's known me forever it's the funniest thing ever you know and uh um we played hellbent for leather on stage before him but but slash was uh was super cool and it was uh you know for me it was an honor to meet him and uh it's always nice when you when you meet a of you know i i'm still a fan of in music i still meet these people and jam with most of them that's the funniest part is i is a jam with them all so it's kind of like i've made records and been on stage with all my heroes um, so when you meet people, I still kind of look at it as a little bit of, of a fan guy. And it's like, this is pretty awesome, you know. You know, it's pretty awesome. He was really cool, so it was awesome. And it's that fan aspect, which is why I think it's part of why you have your fan base in addition to the talent and the songs and everything is it is the story. And we all know, or at least we kind of think we know the story. Uh, so a couple of years ago, I had Miles Kennedy on the podcast, and I asked him because he was the 20th anniversary i believe of the movie rockstar and he obviously has a different perspective because he was in it but before he was a name obviously completely different for you i was it was a loosely i don't know how very loosely based on your life 
How do you feel about that movie now? If it comes on TV, are you like, well, you know what? They got Mark Wahlberg to play me. Actually, this is not too bad. Or do you wish they, they really stuck to your story? How do you feel about this, uh, that movie all these years later? No, the cast was great. It would have been a better movie if it was real because you could have told a real story instead of being like Spinal Tap and, uh, you know, making stuff up. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, having Mark Wahlberg play me is the only time I've ever had abs. So it was kind of <laughs> cool that he played me. And um, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's cool that they did it. I get to have that on my resume that, that a movie was loosely based on me. And uh, um it would be nice to have a real one made now where they're actually making a movie in that movie. So, uh, uh, but you know, it'd been nice to tell the real story and, and what was really going on. And, and, uh, um, I mean, listen, they, they, here's a movie based loosely based on me that had them playing in arenas. And I was, I joined Judas priest in, in 96, you know, 90s, 96, 97, 98. No one was hardly playing in arenas and hard rock. I mean, heavy metal, those bands were, weren't playing nothing, you know? So, uh, um, but it was, it, it's cool. You know, it's really, it's, it's an honor that an article came out on the New York times article and Warner brothers bought the rights to that article about me and wanted to make a movie about me. So that was kind of cool. So that's how uh, it, it started. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And then what happened was the band didn't like how things were being portrayed. So they said, we want some creativity and Warner brothers is like, you're not going to have any creativity here. I mean, we're making this movie. And then early on, the band said, okay, we're done. You can't use us. We were going to have music and everything. They said, you can't use us. And uh, so we pulled away. So that's, you know, that's why they changed things, loosely based it. And, you know, never, and of course, never made any money from it. So always the the great decisions being made. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming since you were the newbie there that it wasn't your decision to make. Were you like, oh. no, no, and it wouldn't be. I mean, listen. I had a fantastic time in the band and loved the guys and they treated me great. And, uh, um, I understood everything that went on. What about, you know, obviously with this being a GNR podcast, we have this discussion all the time about band members and, uh, different eras of the band. When I had Gilby Clark on, I, I feel like he should be in the rock and roll hall of fame, you know, just because it's part of the history. Is that still, is that something that you even think about? I know it, it's, it's, in the past it happened but that's something else like that's i don't know we we're getting no pun intended ripped off in a way because you are part well, of that history for me it was more of not a call from the band or management saying guess what you know hey you know you're not going to go in there with us but we want to thank you for being here for almost 10 years and a grammy nomination and you know thinking we were friends um and uh not a and there's no rules why I should have been in. So whatever people say there's rules, I mean there's no rules. But I think um maybe not a a thank you or a mention on stage when they got uh I didn't watch it. Um but everybody told you know everybody said that they never even said your name. So I would have thought when you're in a band that long you would have been said, Hey just wanted to say thanks to Rip Rowans. But um, you know, congratulations to them and uh um you know, it is what it is. Again, you know, I mean, it's just decisions that this is decisions from the same people that wanted to go to four guitar or one guitar player band. So, I mean, you know, it's not like it's that always back, uh, that backfired, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
well, I, I hear you. And you know what? That makes me think because with Gilby Clark, he didn't get inducted, but he was invited there. He was on stage. He played with them. So, yeah, I understand that as somebody who it's all about the intent or the reason behind it's I, I get that. So that kind of I feel a little bummed yeah. out. Whatever. You're, you're moving on. You have your own good, great thing. Going. It wasn't or it wasn't one tour that I sang on or right. one record. I wasn't in, I was, you know, I wasn't in a band for one year. I mean, that, that so I could have given a little shout out, a little respect, you know, the, I mean, the only time that the management called me after they made it, they called me or text me when email me one time. And that was to say, if you keep using, if this person uses the name metal gods, we're suing you. So, I mean, it starts with, Hey, congrats. Hey, how about the band making a hall of fame? Now stop using the name. You know, that's what's a shame about it. You know, you could be a little nicer about things. And um, but I'm happy they went in well deserved. They were they were, uh, pioneers and uh, they, sh- they should be in there. Well, how are things now with uh, with KK, KK's priest? I mean, that's cool that you're working with him. It's great. We're finished, finished the second record. It's being mixed right now and it's fantastic. And, um, you know, it's going to be uh, hopefully touring the next couple of years on this on these two records and having a good time. Awesome, super busy, and I would be remiss because speaking of just guitar players and being in in the current, obviously before your voice kicks in on a lot of the songs, uh, a lot of the tracks on the, the latest EP, tell me about uh, Charlie Belmore because he destroys this album. I mean, like in the best way, like, he he kills it. How was it working with him? Because he's been with D. Snyder before, right? Like, yeah, well, incredible Charlie, guitar work on this album. And Nikki's drum work is crazy, amazing, and and his and his brother, you know produced and mixed the record and it's just so fantastic yeah these guys are great i mean uh charlie's guitar playing is so good and, and the record i mean when i first got the songs to work on they they sounded like the real songs now the drums had to be redone which the drums okay. didn't even and it sounded real uh i think i think charlie went on and fi- changed a few guitar things added added some new solos and but it was so good so professional and and uh everybody on this record is so good it's a good record. It, it it really is a good record. Uh, Return to Death Row, uh, which has been out since the December. Oh, and since actually, it's a, it's a question that escaped me during my GNR portion before I get you out of here to your next interview. As yes. a, as a vocalist, I know you've never seen Guns N' Roses, um, but I'm just curious. As a vocalist, since we've spoken so much about it today, what did you think of uh, Axl Rose or when Appetite for Destruction came out in 1987? Do you remember where you were? I don't. What's funny is I don't think I liked it. Okay. So t- <laughs> uh, you know, one of those things. I think at the time I might have been a little more thrashy. Mm. Uh, Anthrax, Testament, Death, uh, Death Angel at that time, right? So if you weren't the classic band already, Dio, Priest, Maiden, it was hard for me to get in on board on something else. Um, but obviously as time went on, it changed and, and uh, uh, loved the love the voice and love the band and and um i'll tell you he was fantastic with acdc i mean i thought it was uh it was a, and i knew i gotta be honest when they said people were like oh my god how's he gonna do that what's and i'm like yeah but that's a good voice that he has he has that that voice where he could sing that stuff and uh, but uh yeah i remember when that came out you know what i probably didn't hate him yet I, you know what probably <laughs> happened i probably liked uh what was the first one that came out? Welcome to the Jungle. Um, and, uh, oh, I think everybody liked that one, right? That song came out and everybody's like, heck, this is awesome, you know. But then I probably lumped him in at the time with 
with the hair metal mm. bands, which they weren't nothing like that, right? But mentally, you're like, oh, I want to hear Cotton Moth. <laughs> Screw these guys. Then you then you just start moving along, and you realize, yeah, you know, I mean, here I am now. If I'm at a gym, you know, oh my, I, I'm, my, you know, I'll listen to it'll be the Beatles, James Taylor, a Guns N' Roses song will come on, Ramstein. You know, it's benediction. God knows what comes on. So it's uh, it's pr black keys. You know, all that stuff. Oh, I, I love it. It's really been a lot of fun talking with you today, uh, Ripper Tim. Uh, you, you you really come off again as somebody who's been around for so long, Grammy nominated, uh, been on stage with some of your heroes. But you come off as the fan, as you said that you are, that you still are. So I feel like it's right now. It's just been two fans talking. So just thank yep. you for your time today. You got it, buddy. We'll do it again. Anytime, just let me know. I really appreciate that. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Don't forget the conversation continues in between the broadcasts on social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show or on Twitter at the AFD podcast or Instagram, Appetite for Distortion or yeah, even TikTok. I don't feel good about it, but you got to do what the kids are doing. I'm not doing exactly everything. I'm not doing dances. Mr. Brownstone dances. Not doing that. Uh, it's all my YouTube videos, basically, which are just highlights of these interviews of the podcast and just bite-sized, easy digestible clips. So those are on TikTok as well. And if that was not enough, you may know that I've a spin-off podcast, Appetite for Horror. I really spend most of my free time watching horror movies. And that's not an exaggeration. Obviously, I listen to a lot of music and Guns N' Roses. That's primarily when I'm driving or I'm doing dishes, to be honest with you. But if I'm just sitting down, uh, either while I'm doing work because I can multitask or just when my wife isn't around because she does not like scary movies. It's horror movies. So I get a place to, to vent about that and profess my love for that as well. So Guns N' Roses and horror, I have an outlet and the most recent episode is with Jason Yashannon. Uh, name you may not know, but perhaps you know the, it's I think from 2006, Poultry Geist, Night of the Chicken Dead. He is the star of that. And he's also featured in the, the first VHS, those anthology horror films. He's in one of those uh, stories, one of those vignettes in the first one, which he was known as Spider in that one. So we talk about... His career and uh, trauma, that whole horror genre, uh, it's just a lot of fun. So Appetite for Horror, Appetite the number four horror, and all the social media that I mentioned before. No TikTok for that, though. Just Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Anyway, so that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know as soon as the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.